welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. Riverside Church is a community of believers striving side-by-side for the gospel in the greater New Orleans area. For more information about Riverside Church, go to riversidelife.org. But if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. The Lord is gracious with us and doesn't often reveal to us like um, our shortcomings all at once. And that's a pretty good thing <laughs> because I think if God revealed to us our, uh, the depth of our depravity all to us at once, I don't think we could take it. Um, but he does so in a way so graciously that he reveals one thing after another so that we can uh, deal with those things. And Matthew chapter 6 is one of those things that uh, if we're not careful... Uh, we can find ourselves slipping in the trap. You know, I read a statistic this week um, as I was preparing for this, uh, a statistic uh, over the past few years that said uh, in America, um, the median um, household income for those who make a, a medium household income um, are among the 10% uh, of richest people in the world, just the medium household income for America. I thought that was pretty, pretty staggering. And then you look at the mean, you look at the average, and the average income is slightly above that. So really in America, you, you have greater than 50% of the population in America that would, could be considered as the richest 10% of people in the world. And I thought that was uh, interesting. Why do I spit that statistic out? Um, because this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 and starting in verse 19. And we're going to be talking about um, uh, treasures and possessions and riches uh, this morning. Um, and it's important to Jesus uh, because um, that's one of his favorite topics to speak on. <laughs> is possessions and riches and money. And uh, not necessarily um, how much money you have or getting rid of all the money, but how you handle and what you do with the things that God has, has given you. Um, so before we uh, come into the conclusion of just uh, let's sell everything and get rid of it all, um, or, or, or let's write out, clear our bank account out and give it to the, to, to the poor and everything like that, if the Lord's calling you to do that, praise God, um, awesome, but... Um, before we jump to that, um, uh, we need to realize that there's a great danger in jumping into that kind of mentality. Uh, we see the monastics, uh, uh, the monks back in the early centuries to the mid, uh, medieval times and the Middle Ages. Uh, they took that kind of attitude and secluded themselves completely from society, um, I think, to their own detriment and to the detriment of those that they could have been sharing the gospel with. And so we don't want to jump too soon to that. Okay, but we want to understand how Jesus is talking about possessions and riches and uh, treasures uh, that we have. So we're going to be here in, uh, in Matthew chapter six, uh, verse uh, starting in verse nineteen. But before we do that, I want to talk about. Do you remember the story in Matthew, um, uh, Matthew chapter nineteen? Uh, about the rich young ruler, right? They had this rich guy that came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looks at him. I mean, he knows, Jesus knows the, the heart of the issue, right? Right at the moment, right? He doesn't have to try to figure it out. He knows it. And so he, he looks at this rich young ruler and he says, well, have you kept the commandments? And the ruler, even though we know he hasn't, he says, oh yeah, I've kept them all. I've kept them all since I was, since I was small, since I was little. And he says, well, one thing you lack. One thing you like, go sell all of your possessions and then give the money to the poor and then come and follow me. 
And then verse 22 of this passage, I just want to read it. You don't have to read it along with me, but I want to read it to you. When the young man heard that, he went away grieving because he had many possessions. This is more than just a general sadness. He's grieved. Like he's very grieved that he's not able to follow Jesus because of his possessions and what he doesn't want to do with his possessions, right? Uh, He's grieving so much because Jesus, although he's revealing this man's heart to him, um, this is this is a fork in the road for him. Either he's going to go the way of God and do what Jesus tells him to do, or he's going to stay connected to what he has, the possessions, the riches, the treasures to what he has. And the problem is not necessarily that he has riches. The problem is not necessarily that he has possessions. But the problem is, is that his heart is so bound to his possessions and his riches that he, he values that more than following Jesus. And so that's the key. That's, that's kind of the, the, the warning. And Jesus says right after that encounter, he says to his disciples, he says, look, I'm telling you, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And he says, in fact, I tell you that, that it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Why is that? It's because our heart is, is, is it can get so attached to our treasures and our possessions and our money that we have here that, um, uh, that our heart will not follow Jesus. And so that's the great, great temptation. And so this topic is very important. If he says, if he says uh, it's harder for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through an eye of a needle, and we've established that more than 50% of America's uh, uh, individual households are amongst the 10% wealthiest people in the world, then we probably need to be paying attention to what Jesus says about riches, possessions, and treasures, right? And so here we are in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. We're going to read this. We're going to focus primarily on the first little section. The first three verses primarily is going to be our, our, our focus, but we will hit uh, the, the next um, three verses after that. It says, uh, Jesus is talking here. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters since either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now the context of this sermon. Okay, Jesus is preaching here on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. The context of this sermon, we have to understand one of the key themes of the whole Sermon on the Mount to really understand uh, the, the, the heart behind what he's talking about. And, and, and really, what he's talking about is the heart. And let me, let me, let me go back and say this. It's, it's one of the key verses to understand this Sermon on the Mount, the whole Sermon on the Mount, is Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. You can look at it with me. I'm going to read it, but uh, you don't have to. You can just listen. Uh, he, Jesus says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. And that's one of the key themes that Jesus is trying to get across to his hearers here. Unless your righteousness surpasses those of the scribes and Pharisees. And who were the scribes and Pharisees? Well, in Jesus' day, they were the righteous of the righteous. They were the, they were the, they were the top dogs. They were, they were, they were the ones 
uh, that people look to, uh, to uh, the law, like to, to, to see how to live the law out. Uh, they were the righteous of the righteous according to their standards. But what did Jesus say about the scribes and Pharisees? Do you remember? He says, he looks at the scribes and Pharisees and says, look, out on the outside, you've got it all together. Like you're whitewashed tombs is what he said. He says, on the outside, you look beautiful, you look inviting, but on the inside, you're full of what? Dead men's bones, right? And the problem with the scribes and Pharisees that Jesus is trying to get out, throughout the whole Sermon on the Mount, this is one of the themes, is he's trying to get at that it's about the heart and not necessarily about the outward actions. Oh, the outward actions will follow. They will. But it's mainly about the heart. He speaks of this all the time uh, using parables, right? He, he talks about the tree bearing fruit. Uh, he says uh, a good tree will bear what? Good fruit. A bad tree is going to bear bad fruit or wicked fruit, right? But the, but the core is the root. The core is the tree, not the fruit, right? But the fruit is produced by a good tree, and we have to understand that. And the scribes and the Pharisees, what they were doing is they were having fake fruit on their tree. You ever seen a, a bowl full of wax fruit, and it looks pretty good, right? I almost t- t- take a, 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 took a bite of, of a wax fruit in my grandmother's house one time when I was a kid. And, uh, and I was like, wait, that's not, that's not a banana. That's not an apple, all right? So it, 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 it can be very deceiving, but it's not real and has no nutritional value whatsoever, does it? And this is what the Pharisees and the scribes were doing. They had wax fruit um, taped to trees, right? Uh, and, and, and that was, that was, that was a, 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 a bad thing. This is what Jesus is trying to get at. The, the tree is not right. The heart is not right. The root is not right. And so he talks about this. This is a theme throughout um, the Sermon on the Mount. And, and I just want to kind of go through it. You can just look at your headings uh, for, the Sermon on the Mount, for the Sermon on the Mount here. Um, uh, he talks about the Beatitudes, right? Uh, blessed uh, are, are those who are poor in spirit, who are spiritually bankrupt. Well, how, how are you spiritually bankrupt? That happens where? In the heart. He talks about the blessed are, are the peacemakers. Really, when you, when you try to make true peace with somebody, where does that start? It starts where? In the heart. When, it, it, blessed are those who have mercy. I'm just going through a few of them. Blessed, blessed are those who are full of mercy or who have mercy. Where does that truly start? Really, mercy starts in the heart, right? And then he goes uh, to, to talking about things like murder and adultery. He says, you've heard it said that if you, if, if, uh, um, you shouldn't kill somebody or you shouldn't commit murder uh, or you heard it said that you shouldn't commit adultery. But I tell you, Jesus says, that if you've hated your brother in your heart, uh, you've already committed murder. And I tell you that if you've looked on a woman or a man with lust, you've already committed adultery. It's an issue of the heart, and he brings it down. Look at it, one, another section a little bit later on in the Sermon on the Mount. It talks about loving your enemies. Now, now this is one that we can often like um, uh, not do well because uh, we don't have a problem with treating people right, and we don't have a problem with treating people with respect. But he's, he didn't say, notice, he didn't say, just make your behavior nice. Be nice to your enemies or be kind to your enemies. He just didn't stop there. He said, love them. And that happens from where? The heart, right? That happens from the heart. Talk about giving, praying, fasting. These are all things that the scribes and Pharisees would do out loud in front of people to make a show. And Jesus is saying here, he says, look, it's not about the show. He says, it's about the heart, your heart connection to God. If in your giving, in your giving, don't make a big show over it, but don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. 
In your prayer, don't make these big, big, complicated prayers in front of people. And I mean, he's digging at the scribes and Pharisees here. He says, don't, don't make these prayer in front of people, but go into your closet and pray because that's not between you and everyone else. I mean, corporate prayer is, yeah, we can pray in front of people. But he's, he's, he's trying to get at this, the heart of the issue. He says, go in your room, pray to God, right? And the same thing with fasting, uh, take care of yourself. And, and so after this section, he gets to possessions, he gets to riches, he gets to treasure. And so why would he change subjects here? This is not about just the, the action. This is about the what? You should all know it by now. This is about the what? The heart. It's about the heart. In fact, he says that at the end of, 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 of one of these verses in, um, in verse uh, 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So this is a heart issue. And I thought about it. I was like, well, okay, so why is this a heart issue? Um, or how can this be a heart issue? If I take out my wallet right now and pull out a $1 bill, which is probably all I got in there right now, is who uses, who uses paper money these days, right? So if I pull out one of those $1 bills and I look at it, it's not like I am pining over that piece of paper. It's not like I'm saying, oh man, that's the greatest thing. Or maybe if I'm, uh, if I'm three years old, like my daughter, she's got her monies, uh, that she, she takes them pennies, man. She puts it in the, in her cup holder of, of, of the car seat. She loves them pennies, but she don't love it for its value. She just loves it because it's shiny or she just loves it because it's monies, you know? Uh, and, and we're not, we're not training her to love money, by the way. <laughs> so in, anyway, she's, she, she does. She loves those things, but it's not like I'm obsessed with the paper or the, or, or the coins. So, uh, so I thought about it. It must go, it must go beyond on that. Like the love, the possession, treasuring up things on earth, the heart issue, it must go beyond that. And it does. And it's not necessarily the possessions that we buy. If my wife went out and bought a $2,000 purse, first of all, why? <laughs> Second of all, she's going to take that to the grave with her. She's going to use that every day <laughs> until she goes to the grave, right? But it, it, if she buys a $2,000 purse, a piece of possession, you know, you know how much that means to me Absolutely nothing, because I don't care about purses. I, I care nothing about it. So it's not necessarily the possessions that money can buy, but it's what those possessions bring to us when we spend our treasure on it, when we spend our money on it, when we spend our riches on those things. And three things that I thought of, and they're not, there might be more than three, but everything that, every little thing that I tried to think of, it always came back to one of these three. Number one is this. It's a hard issue because treasures uh, can often buy our status. It's about status sometimes. Sometimes it's about enjoyment or happiness. And then the third thing is this. Sometimes it's about security or peace of mind. Now, if you think of another one, don't stand up and ridicule me in the middle of the sermon, but come, t- come see me afterwards. I would like to add to that. But these three things that I, that, that I, that, that, that I thought about and I'm like, okay, so in, in this life, let's just take them one by one. Because if this is a heart issue, and, and these three things are major things that we deal with with treasures and possessions and riches, then we need to kind of talk about them a little. We need to flesh them out. So status. In this life, riches absolutely can buy you status. <laughs> and it can, and it does buy you status. In this life, it does. 
right? You look at celebrities. You look at politicians. You look at people uh, uh, on the TV, right, on, on the interweb, all right? And, and, you can, and you can see that a lot of those popular people, what do they got? They got money. Well, some of those people may have gained money from their popularity. And I would say, yeah, that's true, but they keep their popularity by their what? Money and by their possessions and by their riches. Some people uh, are, are obsessed over status. They gain as much as they can. They spend as much as they can over all over status. Now, is there anything wrong with having influence as a Christian? No. Is there anything wrong with holding uh, uh, positions and and uh, um, uh, positions when you're a Christian and having influence and titles? Uh, no, there's nothing wrong. In fact, it's a good thing that Christians often have positions and titles and 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 places of influence that helps out that helps out the rest of the, of, of the church, right? Uh, but there are times when when people don't have that, um, and but but people go after it. They spend their riches uh, obsessed with respect and clout over an abundance of riches. And what the things that the possessions bring. Brands, all right? Brands say everything about us a lot of times. And sometimes these, some people, they get so obsessed with buying these particular brands because it tells other people, hey, I'm of this status. Does that make sense? They spend their possessions and their riches on these things and say, I'm of this status because they desire status. Their heart is linked to the status and the, and, and the, and the clout. That these riches buy them and bring them. But I want to read a passage of scripture, all right, that, um, that kind of opens maybe our eyes to that a little bit. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. And I want to read a parable. Starting verse 19. You don't have to turn there. You can if you can, if you want. There was a rich man who would dress in purple and fine linen, linen feasting lavishly every day. But a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, was lying at his gate, and he longed to be filled with what fell from the rich man's table. But instead, the dogs would come and lick his sores. One day, the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's side, and the rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he looked up and saw Abraham a long way off with Lazarus at his side. Father Abraham, he called out, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip uh, the, to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony over this flame. Oh, that's, that's theory. All right, so the, 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 the point is this, and that's where I'm going to stop reading because we're not going to go through the whole parable and unpack the whole parable, but the point is this, is there's this rich man who is concerned about status. Why am I saying that he's concerned about status? I want you to look at a few things that he's had. The poor man is lying where? At this rich man's gate. This rich man has an estate, all right, he's got he's got a he's got a nice place. All right, he's he's at at the at, he's got he's got the gate, and the and the poor man is is living there at the rich man's gate. Number two, he's dressed in purple linen or in purple robes every day. Now you got to know a little bit about this. They didn't have uh, they didn't have brand names back then. All right, it's not like uh, well I'm wearing the summer line of Tiberius this 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 week. You know, it's not like that. They don't have brands. They don't have um, uh, collections or anything like that. Uh, but the color and the material of their clothes is a lot. All right, and so it was very 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 expensive to buy purple clothes. The, the process in which to clean those, clean wool and to dye it, uh, and, and to collect the shells that they needed to crush and dye and make purple dye was a very costly, time-consuming method. And he's wearing these robes every day. Every day. He's got an abundance of them. He spent a lot on them, right? 
And not only that, but he's wearing fine linen. Uh, and this linen is most likely uh, cotton linen, because uh, it normally was. And, but this is probably like the fine cotton. You know the fine cotton, where it comes from. It's Egyptian cotton, right? And, and, and it, 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 it has held its, its value even to today. Egyptian cotton is like, is, is, is high class. And so he's wearing this daily. And then he's feasting daily, having his servants and people come to his feast and everything. I mean, he is not sparing any expense. Why is he doing this? He's doing it for clout. He's doing it for, for status. But I want you to look at the end of this rich man. What was his end? Death. Death and torment in Hades, wasn't it? Death. Let's look at joy and happiness. Some seek joy from their riches. And there's nothing wrong with that. In just a few weeks, Katie and I will be going to her mom's condo in Gulf Shores to celebrate our anniversary over there. And I am totally looking forward to that. That is going to be a very fun trip. And it's going to be an awesome trip. Right? But no, no, no matter how great those trips like that are, they always have a what? An end. They always have an end. Same thing with toys that we buy, right? I mean, I'm, I, I, I love, used to, 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 to love to, to fish all the time and, and get, the, get these nice reels and nice rods and everything like that. Uh, but you know where they're at right now? Uh, they're in my mom's uh, storage at, uh, in the country, and they've collected so much dust over the several years that I have not used them. Uh, and they're probably not that in great shape right now. Um, the new things, they get old. They break. The toys, they get outdone. The entertainment, oh man, I would love to see Avengers. But if I watch, when Avengers first came out, man, I was like, yes, Avengers, this is awesome. But now if I watch Avengers one more time, I think I'm going to throw up. I, I, I don't like the, I don't like the series very much anymore. I can't, it's not, for me, it's not one of those things I can go back to. The, the point is, is that the entertainment value wore off. Trips, they do that. But some people, do you know, they live from trip to trip, toy to toy, entertainment to entertainment, seeking joy, 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 trying to get as much as they can, and they spare no expense. None. They spare no expense. Give me, give me everything. Give me, give me all this, and I'm spending all what I got on this. And I want to look at a, a guy that did this, all right, in uh, Luke chapter 15. You know the story very well. It's the story of the prodigal son. Uh, see, his son goes up to his dad one day, and he says, Dad, give me the inheritance. You're dead to me. I, I want the inheritance. And, and, and the dad says, okay. So he gives him the inheritance. And what, is the, what does the son do? He goes out into a foreign land, and he spends it. He wastes it all on this lavish living for enjoyment for himself, entertainment, parties, all these things for himself. But then comes a great famine in the land. And what happens to the son? He ends up working for a man in this land, feeding pigs and desiring to eat the pig slop that, that he's feeding the pigs. That's a big change, isn't it? These things that we buy to enjoy and we spend so much money and so much time uh, just feasting off this enjoyment because our heart gets attached to these things, they're going to end. Trips will end. Toys will wear out. Enjoyment ran out for him. Let's talk about security and peace of mind. 
Then there are some people who spend their entire lives gaining treasures for security and peace of mind. And the mindset goes like this. I'm going to store up as much as I can. Get my account as big as I can. So if something horrible happens, I got it. I'm secure. I am building secure security for me and the generations after me. I am building up security. Now, is there any, anything wrong with uh, building uh, up security? No. There's nothing wrong with building up security. Is there anything wrong with a savings account? No, it's wise to have a good savings account. It's wise to invest your money into wise things, okay? But, however, there are some people who obsess over this so much that by the end of the life they waste. And I want to read this passage in Luke chapter 12. You can turn with me, Luke chapter 12, because I'm going to read this one. We're going to focus on this one for a second. Luke chapter 12, verse 16. This is Jesus telling a parable. He says, Then he told them a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. And he thought to himself, What should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I will tear down my barns, because I don't want to take any up any of my valuable farmland up. I'm going to tear down my existing barns, and in their place, I'm going to build bigger barns for myself. And there I'm going to store all my grains and my good there. Verse 19. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life is demanded of you. And the things you've prepared, whose will they be? That's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This man took the blessing that God had given him on his land. Yes, that productive field was definitely a blessing. Yes, that productive field was definitely something that God was in control over. And I believe that God had given him. But he had taken the thing that God had given him. And instead of doing with what, with it what God wanted him to do with it, he stored it up for himself. And he said, you know what? I'm going to do this so I'll have security so I can just relax. So I can just relax. But then look at the end of this guy. God comes to him himself and says, you fool. Your soul is required of you this night. You're, you're, and then in a moment, he's separated eternally from all the things that he stored up. Going after security and peace of mind can be a dangerous thing. But I want to look back at Matthew chapter 6. Hope you saved your spot. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, don't store up treasures here. Don't do that. Don't store up treasures for yourself over and over and over again and just use it primarily for your own status, your enjoyment, or primarily on your own security. Don't do that. Instead, do something else. Verse 20. He says, But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Guys, we have a treasury in heaven. A treasury in heaven. That is wonderful to think about because what we do here in this vapor of life, because this is what the Bible says, your life is like a what? A vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. In this vapor of life, in this vapor of life, it makes all the difference in eternity. All the difference in eternity. So many people, so many Christians, and, we, and, and even I think all of us as Christians, at times, get into this temporal mindset where we get so worried about the present or we get so wrapped up in the present, in our own present status, in our own present enjoyment, in our own present security, 
that we miss what God wants us to have. An eternal perspective on things. An eternal mindset on things. In fact, Paul says this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse 32, he says this. He's talking about the resurrection. And he's talking about eternity. And he says, he makes this argument. He says, if the dead are not raised, let's eat and drink, have fun, let's live it up, because tomorrow we die. And that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? If there is no hope of eternity, and there is no hope for heaven, and if there is no hope for life after this, then it would kind of make sense to live right now for security. Or to live right now for our own personal enjoyment mainly, primarily our own personal enjoyment. Or, or, or primarily our, 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 our own status. It would, it would kind of make sense to do those things. But Paul says that there is a resurrection. There is an eternity. There is life after this. And what an awesome eternity where we don't even have to work for a status. We don't have to work for enjoyment. And we don't have to work for security. We have all that in eternity. But this life is the life that we're living now. So the application of this. How do we treat our possessions, riches, treasures in light of eternity? We have to be eternal mindset and live in light of eternity. How do we do that? Well, we are generous. We don't hold so tightly to the things that God's giving us, to the blessings that God's giving us, but we live with our possessions in an open hand. Does this make sense? That we live in our possessions with an open hand. That means if God wants to do something with it, I'm not holding on to it. I'm going to do whatever he wants me to do with it. I'm not going to grasp so hard to this. And that was the plight. And that was the downfall of the rich young ruler was that he held his possessions with a closed hand. And he said, no, Lord, you're not taking this from me. Mm -mm. Nope. So in your own personal life, what does this have to do with you personally? Well, this is for you to decide. This is for you to decide. I can't stay up here. I can't sit up here and tell you personally what you do with the things that God has blessed you with because God hasn't blessed me with what he's blessed you with and God hasn't blessed you with what he's blessed me with, right? And this is where the priesthood of the believer comes in, which is so important because God speaks to us all and God deals with us all directly, <laughs> directly, not, not, not through somebody, not through a mediator except for Jesus Christ. And so he deals with us directly. So this is what, this is what it, it, it would be helpful for you to do. Is it meaning that you need to go examine yourself. Examine yourself. Assess and ask yourself, am I storing up treasures for myself here or am I living in light of eternity? Now we've already said, we've already said that it's not, it's not bad to have a title of position. It's not bad to seek things and enjoy things that God has so graciously given us. I enjoy things all the times that Jesus has, has, has given me. It's not bad to save up and be wise with your money. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about a heart issue here. I mean, an action issue here. We're talking about a heart issue. Are your, is your heart tied up to, to these things to where you, 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 you're worshiping these things uh, rather than God? Second Corinthians chapter 9 says this. Paul is talking to the Corinthians about giving a gift. And he doesn't give them a specific number. He doesn't say, hey, look, you need to go give this. Or all of you need to, need to give uh, this percentage to the church. And you need to give this percentage to the poor. And this percentage to this person. And this percentage to that person. He doesn't do that. He says this. He said, let each one decide in his own heart. Not under compulsion. But decide in your own heart. It's a hard issue. 
So the, the, I guess the motto would be to be generous. Be generous with what God has given you, right? It starts with the heart. Notice what he says in, in, that, in, in uh, verse 22. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But vice versa as well. You can know what you treasure by where your heart is. He gives two other analogies. Remember the eye and the, and the slave analogies? Basically, he says, it, it, what he's saying here with the eye analogy, he's saying, look, people who live in light of eternity, that's the ones that have the good eye. They see things clearly, and they see things in light of eternity. They see things that everything, that everything on this planet is God's anyway. And they see things uh, with that good eye and thinking about kingdom use, eternity, how can, I, how, can, how, how, can, how can we use this for eternity? And he says the bad eye is sees everything darkness. It's blurry. And you've got to remember back then, they're not, they're not having glasses and contacts and everything. They're seeing blur, all right, if your eyes are bad. And so they don't see things clearly as in light of eternity. They just see the temporal side of things. And so, he's, so we, with, even with the, with the uh, analogy of slaves and masters, he says, you're going to serve one or the other. You're either going to serve your own self, your security, your status, or your own enjoyment through these possessions, or you're going to serve the Lord. You can't serve both uh, at the same time. It's all about the heart. But you know what? Here's the funny thing, and then we'll, and then we'll close. The funny thing is this. The things that, 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 that possessions and riches and treasures promise but cannot deliver. Listen close. The things that treasures and possessions and riches promise but they cannot deliver, namely status, enjoyment, and security. Here's the cool thing. Can all be found in Christ, ultimately. All be found in Christ, infinitely. I want to read a passage of scripture to you. Galatians chapter 4. When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son to our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son or a daughter. And if a son or a daughter, then God has made you an heir. I don't know about you. But I can't think of a higher status that a human being could ever have than that. A child of God, an heir to the things of God. That is the highest status that we could ever have. And so as we compare that with what riches and possessions and treasures get us, when we store them up, store them up, store them up to get that, when we compare that, we see, oh man, that's not as good as what I have in Christ. As the relationship that I have in Christ. When we see another passage of scripture here in John, he says, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you. The the most joyful being in the universe, God himself. He says, I told you these so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete without lack. I don't know about you, but that's the, the biggest amount of joy that we could ever have is in our relationship with Christ. The third thing, so that we've covered status, we covered joy. 
John chapter 10, verse 27, he says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. That is security. Being held by God himself. Our relationship with God gets us status, gets us joy, gets us security. Friends, we compare that with the fleeting status, joy, and security that possessions bring and the accumulation of possessions bring. I pray that we'll see the vast, stark difference and we'll be more open-handed with, with our possessions and not so self-focused, but kingdom-minded, eternity-minded. Does this, does, am, I, am I talking about the, the, the plates passed around at, at, at church? That's part of it, but that's not mainly it at all. Really what it has to do is your personal life. How are, you, how, are you, how are you rich toward God, as Jesus put it? How are you rich toward God with the possessions that you have in your personal life? Do you, come, do you ever come in contact with people who, who you know would benefit from, from, from things like that? And, and perhaps you do. And, and perhaps you do it and praise God. But the Lord sometimes, like I said at the beginning, deals with us uh, in stages. And maybe, and maybe that's something that he might be dealing with you or me this morning. Instead, we need to use the blessings of God that God has given us for eternal things instead of just temporal things. Amen? Let's pray.